And we're back with episode number 36 of the podcast. This one is with my friend Craig Greaves. He's a criminal defense attorney, and he just goes through this episode and explains how he got into the position, why he does what he does, a little bit about being a criminal defense attorney. But we get into a wide range of topics that Craig has has just seen a lot of things and everything from mental health to rehabilitation to the prison systems, you name it. We we cover a lot of topics. I really enjoyed the just sitting down and being able to have a conversation with someone who knows a little a lot more, I should say, about these issues and getting to soak up his knowledge. So I hope you enjoy the conversation as much as I did with my good friend Craig Greaves. All right. It's going now. All right. Here we go. Mr. Craig Greaves. Yeah. Yep. Attorney, attorney at law, right? Yes, yes, yes. Yep. I feel like we were talking before. I feel like we were sitting across the seat from like suits in a deposition. <laughs> First time I have two microphones set up yes. on this nice like hardwood table. Oh well, it's a nice setup you got here. It's, it's very, very professional looking. Rounded <laughs> microphones. A lot of wires and stuff. A lot, of, a lot of wires strung out all over the place. Looks nice. Looks nice. <laughs> so, I guess let's go back and see. I've talked to you before. You've got all these different like little ag things around. It's very like a country feel. Um, I didn't even know you were an attorney. What what process made you want to be an attorney? Like uh, where where did that come about? Like where you decided I'm going to go into the law side? Yeah. Um, like I said, I, I grew up uh, in Robertson County, which is just right across the OSR from Bradley County, and it was uh, twelve thousand acre ranch and so you know i was agriculture dad was ran that ranch agriculture my grandfather then ran ranches and farmed out in west texas so it's just life always been agriculture and went to a&m an animal science major and um while i was at a&m uh, a german bought camp coolie ranch where i grew up and he offered me a job, um, but part of the job, he wanted me to go work in a feedlots up in the Panhandle. And uh, so I went to Tri-State Feeders in Hereford, Texas. And Where's Hereford? It is, um, you have Amarillo, it's to the um, little bit northwest of Amarillo, and it's along a highway they call Tornado Alley. And it's just, remember the first... Uh, week I was up there but I've never been around tornadoes and people tell you it sounds like a boxcar train coming through and unfortunately my apartment was next to a railroad track so I spent most of the time underneath the bed most nights <laughs> thinking of the tornado coming through <laughs> but, <laughs> like oh this is what people said it sounds like but it was a wonderful place I, that that part of Texas is just you know uh, off the Cap Rock there in Paladura Canyon and, yeah I was about to say I've been to Paladura uh, I I went there in the summer, so I'd rather camp there in some other time during that because <laughs> yeah. it was very hot. Yeah. But it is just a magical-looking oh, place. It, it is amazing. I mean, just a, you know, I had no idea about that place, and then you get up there and, and you know, you're working on just just flat uh, nothing, and then all of a sudden you step off into the Paladura, and it's just amazing. But anyway, I digress. Um, so when I was up there working feedlots, there's so many. Um, Environmental laws, obviously, associated with cattle industry, agriculture, especially feedlots, you know, water runoff, stuff like that. And 
when I was up there, it, it seemed like all the people making the rules, agriculture, you'd get to talking to them, these different departments that were monitoring everything. They had no idea about agriculture. They, they just, they're making all these rules about it, you know, the lawmakers, but then again, they had, they, they just didn't even understand it, but didn't have any background in it. So that's what sparked me, I guess. Um, when I was up there, I decided, yeah, I, I like to go on a law gig. You know, maybe some environmental law, just, you know, represent a lot of these ranchers and, and farmers and stuff against, you know, uh, government intrusion and, and, you know, all these people pop you for, you know, environmental pollution, those kind of things. And so I, I guess I had a, a you know, this uh, going to go out and save the world kind of deal, but for the rancher and the farmer. And... Um, so then I uh, got finished up there, came back to Camp Cooley, and took the LSAT while I was still working. And I, at that time, I came back, I was selling, um, we had like the largest, world's largest uh, registered Brangus herd, and nearly largest Charlet herd. And I was selling bulls, just driving all through the southeast, and, and Florida, so we'd started Florida, and then just hit all these different ranches, and and uh, so I started getting into some law schools, and um, I'd go by and drive by and you know check the ones out, and started applying to a lot of them out there, just you know on a whim that, hey, I, I grew up down the road from A and M, went to A and M, I'm back here, and I hadn't gotten very far in life, I guess, so I decided <laughs> I'd you know go see something else, and um, end up going to uh, what's called Cumberland School of Law. It's in Birmingham, Alabama. Uh, it's a one of the oldest law schools in the South, and just really enjoyed it. And so then got back, uh, and again, I still had the same kind of intentions to do something with agriculture, but I came back to work for, uh, it was what's called Yunkin, Catlin, Bryan, Stacy, and Dillard at the time, and the main one being Travis Bryan III, um, which Bryan, Texas, his family founded, and they're one of the original colonists of Austin Colony, and and uh, he's a criminal defense lawyer. He used to be DA here in town uh, back in the 80s. And then he quit doing that and became a criminal defense attorney. And so I just started slowly, slowly working for him full time instead of working for all the attorneys. And I fell in love with criminal law and just the human side of that. And uh, so that's you know, basically do that to support any remaining cattle habit I have or <laughs> agriculture habit because it's, it's hard as hell to make money in well, it's, agriculture. That, it's an interesting thing you said. The guy used to be the DA and then he goes to criminal law. Yeah. Um, so he's kind of working both sides of the table then. Yeah, I mean, that's what a lot of them will do. They'll start out being prosecutors. Uh, Travis was uh, Judge Bryant now. He's actually a judge now. You know, he, he got out of law school uh, and... You know, within, I think, two years of him graduating law school, he actually became the elected DA of Brazos County, which had a lot to do with, I mean, his family. Who you know, yeah. 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 And so, uh, but he was in the time that Brazos County, prior to the 80s, was a very quiet, very country-setting kind of place. And then the oil boom hit and all that, and that's when Brazos County really it grew up, uh, grew up criminally. Capital murder, killings, and robberies, people moving into the community and stuff like that. And so, you know, he got to experience all that. Um, and then he decided to step down and 
and just a lot of people join, you know, become criminal defense lawyers just because there's more money in it, uh, a lot of it. And uh, huh. so he did that, and, um, you know, he was very successful at that. And I was, I was truly, well, lucky and honored to get to work for him during his time that he was criminal defense lawyer. And he's a great judge now. But you, were say, you were saying that you, um, you got into for the human aspect of it, yeah. like the human side. And and I was I mean I'm assuming it's this is the way I kind of looked at it, explaining it to the kids when they were asking like you know well if they're guilty then why you know uh, why it's because everybody deserves a right to you know if yeah, if you did that then absolutely. so many innocent people would be put in jail if you didn't have somebody that was willing to fight for the person that's well, accused of the issue yeah I mean and it's not you know I, I look at it what I do is, is yes I defend a person but I defend the person's rights to make sure that they're, you know, they're guaranteed by the United States Constitution, Texas Constitution, right to a fair, you know, be free of unreasonable search and seizures. I mean, that's what this country's based off of. And you just protect those rights and you make sure that, you know, if somebody might go to prison, I mean, they maybe they did it, but you make sure that the state, I mean, prosecution, that they or held their feet to the fire that they do everything right in the process of sending somebody to penitentiary because we've seen, you know, especially such a rash here lately of of people that, you know, especially out of Dallas County and so forth, that there's some people that spent, you know, 25, 30 years in penitentiary that come find out they didn't do anything wrong. That's, and that's incredible. Is it, is it not like, imagine being innocent and being, oh, having to live that long. Because everybody in there is innocent, you know. I mean, you're actually that yeah. person sitting there in prison saying, I didn't do this. And all everybody else like, oh, yeah, okay, sure. Because they're all saying the same thing, you know. And uh, it's like recently, I mean, the most popular I get are well, Michael Morton. I mean, served 22 years on, supposedly for killing his wife, which... But, I, mean, I mean, so you're an innocent person that didn't do it, and you're in there with a bunch of people who did. Yeah, yeah. And they're not nice in prisons. So we already know <laughs> that. Like, no, you know, that the, the, from the guards down, yeah. it's not like yeah. it's not like these people are kind-hearted individuals, no. and you're stuck in the middle of them for that long. Yeah. And, I mean, you know, it, it's that's an interesting guy that uh, Michael Morton is. I've seen him talk a couple of times. You know, he, he has no bitterness. He, he found himself with with God and um, he he found God and he kept it and it's it's the only way to survive prison it's a wonderful story for let people know if everyone will look into it, Michael Morton it's a great story but yeah I mean so the deal about criminal defense law is that it's um, you know there's a very good quote that uh He's passed away now, but a lawyer said that, you know, protecting um, God's children that have fallen short, uh, fallen off the righteous path from from those that mistakenly believe that they have obtained it, you know. (laughs) (laughs) That's so good. And I mean, because we're all, look, we're all got sin. We all have done things wrong. We've made mistakes. Some of us have made worse mistakes, obviously. Uh, some of those mistakes are illegal. I mean, but we're all human beings. And the idea that, you know, you run into situations where people are just 
hacking people off to prison. I mean, just throwing them up on the meat pile and cast them away and they're done. I mean, it's, they're human beings. And I mean, there's a several other things like, as you're talking that going through my mind, like privatized prisons, like prisons and what they support keeping legal and not legal and the money and all that that goes in my head, like not being ignorant from it, just hearing it from the outside. And my dad always said, follow the money, you're going to see the motivation. And and that's really true with a lot of things. I mean, you probably can know more, you know, can speak more to that part of it. Uh, It's, but like, you know, now you see in the, yes, I don't watch the news that much because it gets a little bit overwhelming (laughs) with the drama, but it seems like there's this mob mob mentality now where something comes out, like somebody can say something about you now and post it out there. And then all the men, that's automatically truth. And you get this gang of people behind that person oh, yeah. saying it with no facts or oh, yeah. any sort of evidence whatsoever. No, I mean, that's the deal. Social media now is, I mean, there's actually, in, in huge cases, you know, a big-time criminal case that you know, somebody obviously had some money or whatever, supposedly done something wrong, allegedly killed somebody or, or what have I mean, they hire teams of, of basically just social media team to work on you know, the backlash just coming down from, you know, just people already saying, hey, look, he's guilty, he's guilty, he's guilty, he's guilty. I mean, they'll do mock trials with the people in the, uh, coming out of just, you know, of the normal population to see if they've already been slanted one way or the other really? by social media. Yeah, I mean, in these huge cases, they're, it's, um, I mean, social media is a wonderful thing that people get to know people or, yeah. you know, but it, God, it's just, people will just, come out and automatically say everybody's guilty for this and that and this and that. And if anybody opposes them, one shape or what, you know, if you just say, well, look, I'm the lawyer defending so-and-so and, you know, y'all just need to please let this get sorted out, you know, let the legal system take care. Oh, I mean, they bash you, you know, like, well, that's just what <laughs> you know, a lawyer would say for a guilty guy and all that. Yeah. You know, I mean, you just want it to be fair. And, and it's, it's, you know, a prime example is this deal like uh, having this kid, whatever, in, in D.C. with this this Indian, you know, and, and and everybody just comes out and says this kid's bashing this Indian and, and all this. Kid. Well, come find out. Well, you know, it's just a, it, you can take a part of a video and show that, and it looks one thing, but if you watch the whole thing, well, that's really not that way. But that's how they just, they, you know, when I'm saying the media or social media or you know, uh, all this kind of stuff, it, it, it can it can change someone's total opinion about a human being within 30 seconds. Yeah. And that's what's scary. God, it's scary. It's scary what it's done to, the uh, you know, the criminal system. I mean, trying to try, and try some of these cases and, and people, you know, you're reading the, the Eagle Online or KBTX or Nova Trial. And, I mean, the comments are just being banged out by people just, you know, he's guilty, he's guilty, he's guilty, he's guilty. And I'm like, are you, you're not even in this courtroom. I mean, These are small papers, yeah, too. Yeah. This is on a small scale. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So yeah. It, it's scary. It, it's it's absolutely scary. The whole uh, innocent until proven guilty, I, I don't think that that's... It's a wonderful goal, but it, it's really... Uh, well, now it's making it's harder and harder with that. With, yeah. Basically, you're being tried on Instagram and Facebook yeah, with absolutely. in public opinion... And people, for some reason, people love to chime in and assume. Oh, yeah. And it's like, if you were on the other side of that corner, like, how many things have oh. you done where it could have looked that way? Yeah, yeah. You know, in any sort of situation. 
and you could be the one yeah. going. Wait till like, your kid. Yeah, you'll, you'll it, definitely change. Exactly. Too. That's <laughs> another that thing too. Like you know, your parents and you know, it's easy to play armchair quarterback. Yeah, absolutely. Until it's you know your kid out there. It's kind of like even having a kid. Yeah. You know, at first you're like. I'm going to be this way, I'm going to be this type of parent. And then when you have yeah. a kid, that all goes out the yeah, window. Absolutely, like, absolutely. It doesn't even, it's not even the same thing. Yeah. You're like, I'm not even the same human being I was no, before. No, no. You know? it's, uh, and, and it's, uh, it, it's, but that's what's, you know, look, uh, probably 95% of the people I re- represent, yeah, they're guilty of sin. I mean, but you can help them in other ways. I mean, they might have to go serve some time, maybe. Or, you know, maybe it's just... Uh, the idea of get them in some rehab or something and make them realize that look, you got to change life and not just for yourself but your family. I mean, you're facing this pen time and you've got these three kids and you've got you know a wife and and, and you know you're a good guy. You go to work every day. You just got a meth problem or something like that. But you're going to end up in the pen if you don't do something. And let's get you started in this. Let's get you. You know, and I'm telling them, look, it's going to help me negotiate with the prosecutor if you're. You're in this rehab. You're doing this. If you're going, you're giving, you're volunteering to give a drug test every two weeks or whatever. Not just because somebody's making you. You're doing it to show this prosecutor that, you know, look, you're, you're, you've helped yourself. You're, you're starting on that road, and and that's, you know, I get a lot of um, clients that come up to me, you know, years later, and they'll be like, Mr. Grave, look, man, save me. I mean, I, you know, I didn't get out of it, no, but I, I got out of the drugs. They got a chance. Yeah. Otherwise, it would have been, you know, locked up with people versus, hey, let's get you some help. Like, yeah. you, you may be guilty, but we're going to reduce it down where we can get you some help yeah. versus just sending you off into this Absolutely. You know, with a bunch of cage And just keep fostering that, um, you know, you see things like the wire. and yeah. But the theory behind some of that stuff is true, where if you keep that person in that environment over and over yeah. again, Absolutely. you don't ever get any rehab effort in there. Those kids turn out the same. Yeah, I mean it is. It is. It perpetrates. It. it you know the children of, uh, you know, and I've had kids that you know there were parents got in trouble, drug problems. I mean you're not talking about you know you have kids that are ten or twelve years old and they're seeing with the parents and I mean they're old enough to understand what's what's going on. I mean their parents are facing pen time, and then you finally redirect that parent's life where, where they get away from the drugs and, and start focusing back on the family. And, and I mean, that gives you something inside makes you warm and fuzzy. I mean, that, that you brought their parents back to them and, and stop this chain, this cycle of, because of, if you're not, like you're saying, I mean, those, those kids are going to end up going down the same road. Yeah. Most time. And, and so it's, that's, that's when I talk about the humanity of the human aspect of criminal law. It's that, you know, I, I never liked civil law, you know, the, suing somebody or whatever. I mean, you know, that all that's, people deserve, you know, some money for what their damage is, but it's just money changing hands. I mean, it's... I was about to say, you, yeah. sometimes you can get into where rich people are just fighting over yeah, money. You know, right. they're like, wealthy people, somebody, like, disagreed with somebody, yeah. and I'm trying to get what I think is up mine. Yeah, absolutely. But there's, this in this sense, it's like legitimate, help, like, helping yeah. somebody or right. getting them off. Now, how many cases do you think you try a year? Oh, good luck. This is a curious question to me. That as we were talking, like when you said the percentage-wise, I was like, man, I wonder how many well, cases and, he, you go through. And a lot of them you try. I mean, I think when you're, you know, in this community, you deal with a lot of college kids, obviously. I mean, and you got your DWIs and you know, 
drug cases and stuff like that, which predominantly I'm going to try a lot more misdemeanor DWI cases more than anything, just because yeah. there's not a whole lot to lose in that. I mean, kids have never been in trouble before, but the law will not allow anything. But, it, you know, we have deferred adjudication in some cases that you can do what you're supposed to do on probation, not convicted of anything. The case can be sealed and all that. Well, DWI is it. You can't. Um, it's just legislature's no deferred offered on it. And so you either plead guilty, be convicted, or you take it to trial and, and hope for, you know, a hung jury or get a not guilty. So that's predominantly try that many. Those are the cases tried. Um, I think one year with DWIs and felonies and so forth, uh, I think I tried one year, I tried like 46 cases, but I'm not. <laughs> I had this attitude like, well, if the prosecutor doesn't give me what I want, I'm going to try every case. And it and it, it bought me some respect from prosecutors because, I mean, they know I'll go do it and try them again. But, uh, well, honestly, I, I nearly died doing that. <laughs> it was just <laughs> back to back to back and, and you know, every, just a whole lot of work. Um, but, you know, that, so those kind of cases, that's running the mill. That's what generally, gonna, I mean, and all here to make money at some point. I mean, that's what I make money off of is, is college kids and misdemeanors. But well, I, I wish I don't know how many people realize how serious a DWI is. So, like in my industry yeah. and a lot of the things that uh, like there's at work, there might not be a lot of like high level jobs. They can pay pretty decent yeah. for education level or job tasks that sort of thing. Yeah. But if you have a DWI then you can't ever work for these companies. Yeah, that's a lot of So think about that mistake as a college kid. Like, yeah. okay, you're, you're being stupid. You yeah. know, you're making – we've all made the mistake before, right? Yeah. Like yeah. a lot of people have. And that one little mistake, the one thing, you don't get a second chance yeah. on. That's you right. know, you, you just – you have to wait five years or longer till it goes off your record before you can get this job. And so for some people in like this side of the industry – like, that's all they're headed towards. Like, yeah. that's their bread and butter. Like, if you have a talent, that's where you're going. Well, that's where these people are going. And then they're saying, you're taking away five years of that income, yeah. you know, where they could be doing well for themselves yeah. and their family and that sort of thing. So that's how important it is to, like, have some sort of rep- yeah. representation or, well, uh, or whatever to try to... I mean, the deal about DWIs is, is I mean, and that's the reason why I try a lot of them because, you know, I made a comment a while ago about uh, innocent people. DWI first, the first time DWI, I think truly, I mean, that might still be the case. That, pros- that jurors, they're in your corner. They want to find you not guilty unless the state truly proves them beyond a reasonable doubt that you're guilty of something because most of the jurors have done it themselves. I mean, we've all <laughs> probably been there. Push that limit. Got, yeah, some got caught and some didn't get caught. And so that's the thing about DWIs is so so tough our legislature is like conviction 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 but and i understand i mean I, there's some horrible things that i've represented those kids that have never been in trouble day in their life and you know they got behind the wheel and they killed somebody and that's what's well, tragic it's tragic for both sides you bad and you got a kid never been in trouble fixed guilt penitentiary but that's a scary one there you know you think like and that one mistake, I just, I just took. Well, not only did I take a life, and it's eating some good person up yeah. inside yeah. for a mistake, but at the same time, now they're about to go yeah. away. Yeah, they are. Yeah. In Nebraska, you will do time. 
there's no legal way out of it. You will do something. Um, and, you know, I was telling a prosecutor one time about, you know, the, like these first-time BWIs. I was like, well, you know, we have to punish them like this to deter kids from The idea that you think some college kid, he gets behind the wheel of his vehicle, and before he turns that key, he says, oh, wait, hold on. My buddy Bill got a DWI not too long ago, and he got, <laughs> no. I said. You're not thinking about it in that situation anyway, yeah. man. I mean, because nine times out of ten, but, <laughs> me and this prosecutor joke about this all the time. I tell him, look, I would say 90% of my DWIs, the male DWIs, are this. They either got home, made home for the bar, and then they get that call, or they call some girl, and she says, "Yeah, come on over." So the booty call, or they're going to Waterburger to get uh, something. That happens so much. <laughs> oh, that happens so much. And so I tell the prosecutor, "Look, you know, you have two primal urges of man: sex and food. You're not going to stop DWI. <laughs> I mean, those that's they're going to go do that. I mean, it, yeah. And so you know." It's a tough call, I mean, on how to treat these things, especially to college town. But like I said, I mean, one little DWI and you're, you can't get a job. And that, yeah, in some industries, yeah. You're, you're toast, man. And especially in this, you know, day and age that used to be back in uh, the 60s or, you know, but up to the advent of the Internet and stuff, you could probably have a criminal record and nobody knew about it. I mean, you know, now, and, you know, like social media or whatever, I, I go pull up. You know, you can pull up anybody now and check if they've been arrested before, they've been whatever. I mean, it's it's so simple to find out any dirt on somebody. So, yeah, it it, it, it means a lot. I mean, obviously the best thing to do is just not do it. But, uh, you know, yeah, you need somebody there to protect you. And, it's so funny how context means so much to these yeah. sort of situations. Yeah. Like the context, because you could have one guy that has a DWI that, I mean, is not a, not a good person. He's yeah. into bad things. But then a, somebody who's good that messes up once yeah. and gets a DWI, now he's lumped in with the same thing. Yeah. That's what I tell this story all the time. This is this flabbergasted me when I found it out. I was at a Halloween like this uh, uh, haunted house up in Fort Worth with my brothers. They were going there, and uh, I was with them. I was, I was with a buddy, and I went back to the car to get something. I had to go to the bathroom bad, and there was a long line. And I'm way out in this parking lot. So I open my door, just like I do everywhere. And I'm peeing along the side. I say, hey, watch out for me in case, you know, somebody's driving by. I'm going to pull the door open. I was hidden behind the door, like as close as I could get. Nobody could see me if they walked front or back. But, of course, my buddy being the great watchdog that he is, (laughs) here comes a cop driving right up. And, I mean, like, let's just drive right by without saying a word to me or anything, you know, about it. And then he backs up. And he comes and he comes over and looks at the tire and he's like, "You did not just do what I think you did." And I was like, "Man, I had to go." Like I explained in the situation, like I was gonna pee my pants. Yeah. Like there was no getting out of it. And that line's too long, and I just needed to go, so I did this right over here. And you know, yeah. And he goes, "You know, like I should give you a ticket right now." And that goes on like the sex offender list. Well, like yeah, roughly. You could. Wait a second. Do I get? You mean? I get lumped in with that, like on the system. He goes, "Yeah." I went, "So if you for that, that's not even the same thing. Yeah, like yeah. what I just did wasn't the same thing at yeah. all." No, no. And he's like, "Yeah, but it is." 
Well, it's, I mean, technically they could give you, yeah, you'd have to have a couple of them, but yeah. I mean, but it's right. I mean, it's, you know, anything now. Well, just like this way, I said, Dylan, if you're sitting there and you got two kids that are qualified for a job, they're just getting out of school, uh, one, they both have the same grades, they both have, you know, same background experience, whatever, and, you know, so it's a toss-up, well, a potential employer looks at this guy, well, he's got an arrest. He had a PI. Oh, he had a PI. I mean, no big deal, but he had a PI. This one didn't have PI. I'm going to hire the one that didn't have PI. You know, so that, I mean, it, it yeah, you got to have some way to get. Then at the same time, yeah. I know people that have got PIs from sleeping it off in their car. Yeah, yeah true. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So that, and there's there's the thing where context means everything. Yeah, yeah. Like, did you get a PI because you were walking around being a nuisance to yeah. society? Yeah. Or. Did you get it for actually trying to be safe? Yeah, and absolutely. you know, and and then you just luck of the draw. Yeah. That's what you got, you know. Yeah. Um, there's some people could say, well, don't be in a bar. You know, <laughs> well, are you going to keep yeah, everybody yeah. from being a bar? Yeah, yeah, that's, no, that's not going to happen. You know, it's not yeah. ever going to happen. So it's that that part's fascinating to me. And I mean, I'm guilty as charged when you look at people's stuff like <laughs> that. You know, and going. Oh, really? But then I've had to learn as I get older and you meet people and you know, I'm like, that doesn't seem like a person that would yeah, do that, you yeah, know? Yeah. So, well, I mean, like I said, that's what Bolson was saying. I mean, we're all done wrong. I mean, and we've all, and it's just, you know, it's the point of just understanding that that's another human being. And that, that's the biggest part of why I do what I do. It's just, I just, I mean, it's frustrating as hell sometimes, believe me. I, mean, I was about to say, is it tough when you know somebody's... Like, do you ever get in a situation where you know somebody's really guilty and they're not a good human being and you're like, you still have to do your job, obviously. Yeah, I yeah. mean, you have to do your job. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's not any sort of slate, like, negative against you. But I wonder what that does to you being... Like, I know you as a human. Yeah. What that does to that, you know... I mean, it's a lot of, of it is... Yeah, I mean, I, I represent a lot of people that are. Oh, it grinds on you. I mean, and again, but like I said, you know, it's it's not a point of getting them off. In a lot of cases, you don't get anybody off. Making sure the system's followed and possibly mitigating. Going, you know, I mean, and I'm not saying that's an excuse, but you got somebody that you know never did, never had any tough part of their life, never had a tough childhood, never had this, never had that. And then they do something wrong versus the person that was, you know, grew up being uh, beat by their parents, uh, being sexually molested, being whatever. And they finally, you know, they've become adults now and they do something wrong. Well, again, it's not an excuse, but you got to see where they came from. And, and so a lot of the, on some of these other, you know, cases I'm talking about, and I do, you know, Oh, uh, murder man, cases I don't and know stuff how like hard that. that would be. Oh, it is. It's pretty tough. But, but it's not, you know, I'm going to, oh, well, I'm going to get this child muster off. I mean, no, that's not what's going to happen. You're going to get found guilty. It's just going to be. Do we throw this person away? Uh, 60 years versus 40 years or whatever. It's just showing a, a jury, you know, if their punishment doing the punishment, showing a jury that uh, look, this person didn't grow up like you did. Didn't grow up with, you know... Which is break. a very real yeah. thing. Oh, yeah. It's I, a very real thing. You know, what 
what you realize is normal in your life. Yeah, yeah, that's the deal. I mean, is is it's a very real like you can say nature versus nurture, but when you're used to seeing something, you know, I, I think I heard this the other day on like um, talking about like terrorists and ISIS and everything. Those kids are growing up. Uh, the you know kids of those families they grow yeah. up seeing beheadings yeah. all the time and being told they're like less than perfect if they don't stand and watch it or yeah. get participate in it from a young age like we're talking five years old oh, yeah. up yeah. and as you grow up you see enough of that it becomes a norm oh yeah I mean, at some point in time I'm not justifying the action at all like you know the human side of you should say that's wrong yeah. but at the same time. What we think is normal, like, oh, I'm appalled that you could think that that's okay. Yeah. But you didn't, you did not see it every no, day growing no, up. You didn't, and you didn't experience it. I mean, all right. these people were molested or so. And, and it's, um, you know, it's, uh, I, there's just cases where it's, you're just there to, you know, protect system and just try to humanize the defendant where jury can at least make can make a somewhat informed decision about what kind of punishment needs to be dealt out versus just you know if you didn't humanize many at all they'd just say oh that life for 90 years or whatever well I mean that's not that's not that's not a fair judicial system I mean but you get enough parents yeah. on that board and you like me I mean I'm my automatic reaction to that is like yeah. You know, oh. give them the chair for all I care. <laughs> Believe you know? me, it's hard to stand. You know, you have your trial, and your client's found guilty. You know, I kind of joke about it sometimes. I mean, you stand up next to a person just been found guilty of, of, of child molestation. Now you got to stand up in front of a jury and say, "Look, I, I, you know, I understand that that y'all totally believe he molested somebody, but he's not a bad guy." The man, that's that, a tough that, that, argument. That is. It's really, it's hard to wrap your hand around. And it's not, I mean, yeah, he's a bad guy, but, you know, does he deserve to be blocked up for freaking ever as compared to somebody that didn't grow up like he did, you know? so that's can, kind of, can he get help? Yeah, yeah. You know, is, it, is there a room for help, or is it somebody that's just literally sick? Yeah, and that's, I mean, you know, you've had some of them that, uh, yeah, they're sick. They, they got it. And that's why our laws have developed. I mean, now you have, you know, a life sentence without parole for child molestation. Or, uh, versus somebody that just did something. But, you know, let's get away from that. I mean, let's just say. Yeah. Uh, you know, no, not just the molestation thing, yeah. but I'm talking about, yeah. like, or in general, like, yeah. a, even if it's a small crime, yeah. you know, just, um, like, if you, if you, I guess I, I'm going, I'm coming from the standpoint of you're figuring out whether, like, you get to know whether the person really is guilty or not most of the time. Like, you, yeah, you yeah. get to know, like, you, you get a feel for it, right? And then oh, yeah. you, and so you're, you know, you're managing this thing and, and you're trying to get them the best help that you can regardless. Yeah. And you're giving them what they deserve, which their right is to be protected. Yeah. And some people, like like you said, they grow up, and this is where people get the misconception is like, because I've known those kids growing up in the area I grew up in and some of the friends I had that were involved in gangs and drugs and you name it. I hung around them all the time, and I didn't come from anywhere close to that. They're good kids. Yeah. They're really good kids, but they their normal was this situation. I'd been to their houses. I had seen their families. You know, I knew these things, and 
And so with the right just type of help, the right the the right Absolutely. the right angle that they can come into it. I like if so if you direct somebody and you're like, "Man, this person's guilty, but if I can just get you send you down this path and then tell you take care of this and you like and work yourself out of it." Like that's got to be a little bit of a rewarding feeling. It is. It, I mean, that is. But, I mean, then again, I, there's some of them that, you know, you you work like hell to get them down that path. And they go, and then they screw it up. And then they go and screw it up. And, I mean, those ones are heartbreaking. I mean, because it, it's just, you watch their struggles. You watch their... And, I, and I mean, I, if you got some money, yeah, you can get some help. <laughs> you know, and what's sad is... Uh, capitalist and all that and but <laughs> you know our state of our our judicial system failure is the the lack of rehabilitation money that's spent on rehabilitation and the lack of money spent on mental health issues because that's you have a lot of people that are in the justice system because of mental health problems they're bipolar schizophrenic manic depressants those kind of things and you know, MHMR, you know, they come from a lot of low-income families. MHMR can't pay for all of it. Uh, they don't have the funds. Uh, so they'll just lock them up. Well, locking them up doesn't fix it. You know, maybe no. they, you know, they might take their meds with them locked up, but, you know, once but, they get out, you know, it doesn't do anything. I don't even know if just meds alone don't, I don't no, think, no. fix anything. There's, there, there's a great, and if anybody knows, I'm not going to say his name because there's no, I, I just won't say it, but because he's another podcaster. Yeah. Uh, but also a comedian and he has a joke but it's kind of a truthful joke and saying we don't have a gun problem we have a mental health problem yeah absolutely you know and that that you bring up something very interesting to me in the helping side of things and I don't know it and maybe you can speak to it not on the privatized prisons which I'm all for privatization of things and people making money and entrepreneurs and everything like that but uh, and I, I'm not sure what your view is, and I maybe have an uneducated viewpoint on it. But I'm on the more of a freedom side, where kind of like prohibition, you you cancel alcohol out. Well, look what they did. People are going to drink. Yeah. Right. You know, should weed be legal? I think so because people are going to do it. They're well, going to do it whether they do it or not, kind of thing. And and as long as you're not harming people, we've created laws for alcohol like DWIs. Yeah. And if you go out and you're an endanger to people, well, then you get consequences for that yeah, action same thing yeah. true. I mean you know as to uh, would it fill up the prisons less and only with people who or with more of I guess people who should justifiably be there versus people who just need a little help when you talk about legalization of drugs I mean I, I'm just going to talk about marijuana that, that's fine yeah because I mean, you know you get in some of this other stuff now I mean you shouldn't legalize that that stuff tear you apart uh, <laughs> you've math, seen it from a different angle you know, yeah math crack i mean i've seen you know that, that that's that's the devil i mean it, it haunts you forever um but no marijuana i mean you have you've wasted so much money i tried a case a couple of weeks ago and it's pound and a half of weed <laughs> And the weed, I mean, you can tell where it's coming from. I mean, there was boxes in this house that San Jose, California. And they're coming through the United States postal system is bags of weed coming out of California, all these legalized states, into Texas. Because talking to the one of the uh, 
drug, drug task force guys. He was on the stand, and I started asking about all this. And I said, well, all right, so you just order weed from California? Yeah. I said, well, what happens if, if your box gets caught up in the it's found out in the postal system, doesn't make it to you. He said, I guess they just keep sending it till you get it. And I said, well, profit in that. And he's like, look, man, you get in these, you know, states like California, Colorado, Washington, whatever have you, there's really no profit left in that because it's been legalized. And so they have this huge supply. And, you know, they can send it to our state uh, with an attempt to hope it gets there, we can make more money off of it there. And so if a few of them get caught, you know, coming through the system, the, the boxes, well, we'll just send another one and, and still hope our, our profit margin's there. So, you know, the deal is, is I'm not saying follow the, definitely never follow the lead of California, but <laughs> um, but you have all these states where it's legalized. It's just going to keep pumping into te- Texas because we're, you know, make more money here. Uh, you know, sending it here, and it, it, it's just ridiculous. I mean, and a lot of jurors, I and mean, we sit there. It was hard to even set a panel on a jury because a lot of jurors are like, why are we even here? I mean, it, it's not you know, unless you got some kind of proof that that this guy is selling weed directly on the school playground to little Timmy. I don't care if he's smoking weed and he's got weed in his house. I really don't. <laughs> and that's what jurors are saying. I, and I understand the mentality of that. I mean, yeah. you know, it because and a lot of them brought up the same thing about. Alcohol I said, "Well, you know, alcohol, weed. What a study's done? I mean, it's a, you know, uh, which one's worse? Probably not. You know, they're probably about the same. It's just we decided that. And one guy, he was, he's a, you get a lot of professors at A and M that are very vocal about this that end up on their jury panels, and they're like going, it's all about money. It's about you know, you have groups of lobbyists that you know made alcohol. You, even back then, it was pro- prohibited." And then we repealed that because the people wanted to make money. Yeah. Selling alcohol, you know. Yeah. They and, see all these people making illegal money. Yeah, and yeah. It's like, wait right. a second, yeah. hold on. And, you know, and people are freaking dying from, you know, getting bootleg liquor that would make you go blind and make radio <laughs> for them and yeah. stuff like that. So let's, uh, you know, you can kind of monitor it a little bit. But it was all about a money issue. And so it's going to be, I mean, you know, the thing is about weed, though, you can legalize all you want because... But the feds hadn't legalized it, so you know, one day if they want to step in and just crush it. Just everybody. so tricky. That's a tricky yeah. one. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, that that stuff needs to be. I mean, people that are in the pen for marijuana usage, again, unless you were caught selling to little Timmy, I mean, you shouldn't be there. No. And that's like a waste. Yeah. I, I mean, I view it as a, a waste of taxpayer dollars. Of you know, like we're putting good people in bad situations, yeah. and we're ruining. We're not just ruining their lives, their children, like their kids. The the line of people that you know, you put them in there, and then they're like, you know what? They can become bitter to the system well, that's all right. the way around. <laughs> I mean, you're putting people all right where they're going. Any, any possession of marijuana between four ounces and five pounds is it's a state jail felony. Okay, and it's kind of weird. It's all underneath the Texas Department Criminal Justice Institutional Division, but you have what's called real pen. That's TDCJ. That's Third degree, second degree, first degree felonies. That's where they end up. And then you have state jail felonies, which is a lot of drugs, like personal use drugs, you know, possession less than a gram of cocaine, possession less than a gram of meth- methamphetamine, and then, you know, the four ounce, five pounds marijuana. Well, they're sticking people into state jail felony, state jail facilities, which they started doing finally some stuff, you get some good time credits, but it used to be there was no parole. 
And so there was no carrot for people to act any act nice in any way at state jail. And so you're taking these kids that are, you know, just dealing with marijuana, and you throw them in with that. Well, and these people aren't acting right down there. They will institutionalize the hell out of somebody real quick. And like you said, <laughs> make you bitter after, you know, you get the hell beat out of you by, you know, three or four guys and just because you're there for some weed. And, and you know, it, it's a waste. Of, that's a waste of money. I mean, you could put that money into rehabs and all those kind of things. And the thing is the privatization of, of, of the you know prison system. Yes, it's a good idea in a way, but ultimately the money has to come from the state. It does. I mean there's not anybody that's gonna, you know, say, okay, we're the new rehab pen, penitentiary. Well, because these people are going to the penitentiary, they're not gonna be able to pay that. I mean it's gonna have to be the state of Texas and and so it you you gotta get a line where I mean I am a big capitalist like I've said, but yeah. I mean, you have to earmark some money to help these people that have got problems. And Again, the same problem as if, like, if, and this is just my brain thinking as we're yeah, talking, yeah. is if, you know, we, we obviously see how the government handles things when they've got control over <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah. So I've got that issue with the deal as well. That's why I'm torn between it, and I like hearing your side of the story. Also, at the same time, you could fit people into the rehabilitation side of things that deserve to be over there. Now all of a sudden they're having a field day because they're the only one. They're they're one. It's like, I I, I hate to say it this way, but it's like being a fat person at a buffet. Yeah, absolutely. You know, now you've got some people who really have mental health problems and you've got this one guy that's just a psycho and he's like, oh man, this is like fish in a barrel right now. I mean, there's been some people say, well, I went to rehab just to be... To find me some new people to sell to. That's you know, crazy. And that that's... Crazy. That's, yeah, you can see that happen. I mean, it, it, you know, that's one of those deals you just got to balance it. But I think, I mean, we definitely need more money invested. I've had clients that, I mean, they're going through the system that just... They're violent crimes, and they... but. Do they really not even know what they're doing? No. You know, and, and these people aren't faking. I mean, you hear a lot of people, oh, yeah, they're faking, but they're really not. How can we yeah. judge that? Or like, we're professionals yeah, that we yeah. know. You know, you've looked into enough eyes where no, you can see. Uh, yeah, you, I mean, you believe me, I've heard lots of stories, and I've, I've seen lots of people, and then when there's those ones that you're going, I mean, when you start thinking, person, I don't even know where they're at. I mean, they're, way gone scary yeah it is and and you're like i mean we got to figure out a way to help i mean i had a had a, had a kid that he was 18 um i don't know i might just be rambling you can tell me what i need to stop but 18 years old and he basically had the the mental capacity of a nine and he um He went and got in somebody's house and just sat on their couch, thinking that it was his house. Oh. And the people came home, and of course, scared the living hell out of him, of course. Of anybody, yeah. Yeah, yeah. he's you know, 18-year-old kid. He's a pretty big kid, too. And he's just sitting there, and, and he's kind of yelling at them because he thinks it's his house, and why are these people in my house kind of thing. And so he gets arrested um, for burglary of a habitation. And... So he sits in jail. Well, then, uh, you know, his parents approached one of the DAs and said, "Look, 
album stuff that the agent said, look, well, okay, I'll, I'll agree to a PR bond, which basically means we'll let him out of jail. You know, you don't have to pay this huge bail bond to get him out of jail. We'll let him out and we'll figure this out. Well, why is Adam Bond, he, um, he goes to MHMR and it's right across from HMR. He, this lady lives. Well, my guy thinks that the lady's dog is his because it does look kind of similar to his. Both white. <laughs> I mean, that's about it. And so he goes over and he tells that lady he wants his dog back. And the lady doesn't know anything what he's talking about. Never met the guy before in his life. And he's like, I want my dog back, I want my dog back. And she goes in the house. Well, he follows her in the house. And he ends up, uh, they get kind of a pushing match. And he grabs a steak knife or, or a butcher knife and nearly slices her nose off. And, you know, the cops come and stuff, and he's locked up. He has no idea what he did. All he knows is that this lady had a dog. Yeah. Didn't have his dog, but in his mind, that's what he believes he had. And, I mean, all he's been doing is from... Every year we reaffirm him. He comes back from Vernon State Hospital, the, the prison unit, and he's uh, gets recommitted every year. And so he has just sat in prison for 10 years on a crime that he's never been found guilty of because we don't know what to do with him. We don't have don't, mental that, stuff. That's insane. That's, yeah. Isn't that crazy? Like all the money we spend yeah. on other things. Yeah. So you wonder how all these, like, it's no wonder that, you know, the shootings and the things that happen happen because yeah. instead of figuring out what we can do and have having a team of people do that, we're shutting down the government because we're arguing over money. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Like it, it's, it's a, it's, it's like we've got a serious problem and nobody's taking away guns isn't going to solve no, it like no. what's going to solve it is getting the right help and having somebody work on at least an effort to do something and, and being able to I mean see you know how it is in schools now I mean there's been so much stuff you know change in education that you know if you see a kid that is thinking, you know, school counselor or, or a teacher starts thinking, well, this kid might be a little off or, or something's going on with him. You can't call that kid out. I mean, it's, you know, they've made a representative of some violation of his rights. So, no, you need to make it where, look, you can say, look, you know, we need to have this kid evaluated. And parents, most parents would probably agree and say, yeah, well, okay, let's, or their parents wouldn't even be an issue. They don't care. So you need to start, I mean, and that'd be a way to invest some money is not able to, to see these things so early and catch them and, and be able to help these kids because I mean that is it's a like you said it's not a gun issue it's a mental health issue and you know I mean no no guns ever killed somebody it's a guy pulled the trigger of the gun that's killed somebody yeah and, and that's you know and that's what it's just you know you take away guns or whatever will still be the same issues they'll just use a knife I mean just use a knife or the yeah, yeah. I mean this is the way they're doing something illegal anyway. Yeah. It's illegal to kill somebody. Yeah, yeah. So if you're going to do that, what's going to stop you from illegally yeah. getting a gun? Yeah. Like they're always going to be there. Oh, yeah, that's right. it, it's it's like that doesn't solve anything. No. You know, you're you're being reactive to something that just happened that affected your emotions, yeah. which is like let's try and actually solve the problem. Yeah. You know, which is that's what's cool about hearing your side of it because I think if more people like yourself and this is a small level but Think about all the people like yourself that have tried people that really care about the human side of things and helping people. What if put your heads together and we come up with ideas 
like legitimate ideas of where we can actually send these people to protect the peaceful public and also get these people help so that they can get back and and be productive in society and live their life and be happy that's what it's all about i mean it you know like i said there's no perfect human being we're not all cookie cutter born we're raised you know environment and, and it's you can't. The only thing I hope people take away from all this is that just don't judge people. <laughs> I mean, until you hear the whole story and see what all's going on with them, and maybe they are guilty. But you know, uh, I read those marks and or take them out and shoot them, or take them out and shoot them. Like, <laughs> Do you even know what the law is? No, no one. It's not a capital <laughs> case. You can't. Number two. I mean, it's like. You have known nothing about this deal other than somebody got arrested and KBTX says they got arrested. That's all you know. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's, you know, and this stuff, I mean, flip side of that, I mean, you have all these, like, cops and all this kind of stuff. I mean, those people do their job. They do the best they can. There's some bad cops and there's bad attorneys. I mean, it's, it's, it, it, it there's not all good. Uh, but as a whole race, we're not all good. It, it's, Try to make people the best you can, and get better. So. All right, sorry we had to take a little break on that. <laughs> That's all uh, right. My fault. My fault. The fo- the host's fault. <laughs> um, a little bathroom break yeah. for a second, but um, I guess switching gears from that. Yeah. Um, and all the things like like I said that that stuff fascinates me just in general, but um. You like, I'm kind of. It's kind of a neat thing to see you come from ag- agriculture, yeah. and just that's not the opinion and the thought process of people. Don't think that people who deal like cowboys that deal with bulls and you know cows and they yeah. you know they herd them and you know they don't think of them as people like yourself. Yeah, yeah. Which is it's it's kind of like don't judge a book by cover if yeah, you want to say that, but it's. Me. It's one of those things as far as, um, do, do you still do things with the agricultural stuff? Yeah, my dad, he, he still raised a few cows, and I help him out with those. Um, you know, I hope to get some land, and, and, and I'm kind of got my own piece of property. Not a whole lot of acreage, just go back in Robertson County, and because I, I won't you know, have two older boys that, prior marriage but and then I have of course Stella and Scarlett from this marriage and uh, I want them to enjoy some you know, being able if they want to go ride a horse go ride a horse or you know that's around out of the country because that, that's that's good stuff <laughs> I, I wouldn't take all the money in the world for the way I grew up enjoy the world be outside and a lot of days that I do what I do now and I'm like God I just <laughs> just go back to the days yeah, where you were messing yeah, with bulls and cows. Yeah, yeah just it wasn't, wasn't a whole lot of worries then. Um, so I, I mean, I you know miss some of that, and I don't get to do enough of it now. Um, I mean, I could have worse problems. Um, but that's something I, I hand down to them because it's uh, it was handed down to me and. That's, yeah. 
the benefit of being a kid and had like we grew up with horses and animals yeah. and you know i rode horses when i was in kindergarten yeah before i'd go to school i'd go feed them and then ride them around yeah. you know yeah. bareback just my parents would be like where'd he go <laughs> which is pretty much my entire like why my mom has gray hair because that's <laughs> i'm the one kid in the family that was like oh my gosh aaron's gone again like yeah. where did he go but we had horse. I, I just loved it. I loved yeah. riding the horses. I mean, it takes your responsibility to take care of these animals. Yeah, and, uh, appreciation for life. Yeah, absolutely. Like because these things are living; they have feelings. I yeah. mean, the whole thing. You get to where you just love them. Yeah, you absolutely. know. And I mean, you get to you know it kind of shows kids like old jokes. I mean, my jokes. You know, growing up, I was an animal science major, and of course, growing up in ranch stuff, and oh. Say something about well, yeah, well, well, a cow does things. She's like, I- I'm not a cow. Because <laughs> <laughs> we just had a baby, and I was like, she's like, I'm not a cow. I'm like, that's the same thing. No, it's not. No, it's not. <laughs> so I mean, it kind of gives you the uh, the, you know, it, it gives you an education growing up and getting to see all that that that, that aspect of it that does a lot easier later to figure out some things that happen in human beings. So. It, it's a good. I mean, I, I'm, like I said, I wouldn't take all the money in the world. To, growing up, it's just a great way to. And it's sadly, it's a kind of a dying era. I mean, it, it's agriculture's been tough. I've I've had the, I guess, the pleasure of being friends with a lot of farmers, being stuck in the middle of them. Like our little piece of land, six acres or so or more, was right smack dab in the middle of it. Like nothing but farm, yeah. And we we were friends with all of our neighbors yeah. around us, and you know, get, helped them out and that sort of stuff. So you get to see what real hard work is, yeah. and the little reward that you get for that hard work. And but but again, they love it so much. Yeah, I mean, it's it's part of what it's part of what makes them them. It's what they love to do, and I mean, they're supporting their family, and none of them wanted their kids to go into it because there's yeah. nothing, you know, like. Don't live this life, but that they love it. Yeah, you know? that's right. I mean, it, it, it's you're truly doing it for the life reward because I mean, those people feed America and, and other countries as well, and they uh, they're not making a whole lot of money. And but uh, but it is it's something worth outdoors and do all those things. Like I said, it's I hope one day I can let my kids experience a little bit of that. So, no, I'm sure. I'm sure. I see, like, you, t- you still take trips all over the place, Colorado, and yeah. like you said, Seattle, and you take them outdoors, and you've got a nice little, you know, you've got a nice little outdoorsy feel yeah, here at your is. house. It is. It's just good. That's kind of hard nowadays with so much. You know what, you know what's, uh, what's funny about that? You say, like... Now that we're talking about this, is I think there was a part of me that thought I failed a little bit, and I've I've kind of talked to Kim about this. Not not totally failed, but I feel like I've when I was a kid, I used to love going fishing with my dad. That's where I learned my fishing. Like, but that's that stuff teaches you so much. It I I think of all the things that I learned from, you know, just from doing those little like you know those little things with my dad, and I got busy with working and. You know, supporting and you know, the, uh, just life that I didn't. I don't feel like I took my son out enough yeah. when he's younger. Now I am. Now yeah. I'm taking him out because I'm like, I, I'm realizing 
how much I love it, for one, yeah. that I've denied myself from doing it. Because yeah. it's not like I was going without him. It's yeah. that I just wasn't going. Yeah. I wasn't making that time. And so I, I had a podcast episode about when I finally realized that and kind of changed and started going outside yeah. about three years ago. And just the other day, I taught Logan how to gut and his own fish. Because oh, he, he, we caught him. He cleaned them, he gutted them, we smoked them. You know, he was involved in the whole process yeah. so he could learn how to do it. But the appreciation, and people think, oh, that's cruel. Or, you know, an, animal, when you grew up on a farm, like I remember having to put animals down. Yeah. We, we couldn't take them to the vet. And if you did, they were going to do the same the thing, same but thing. for a lot of money. Yeah. Absolutely. And I remember my dad teaching me how to, but also respecting that life. Yeah. And so it like tears you up inside, but at the same time, yeah this is a necessary thing that happens somebody's it's going to happen so the the lessons that i've learned just from being outside and outdoors you know from building barbed wire fences that hold them in to yeah. you know you name it like all these things taught me so much about building and figuring problems out because all the things that you have to figure out on the fly yeah. and how to put these things up and just all the way around you know and dealing with life in general i appreciate every bit of it you know Oh, it helps. I mean, it definitely builds you up. It's, uh, Fortnite can't teach you that. No, no, they don't teach you that. It's, uh, oh, it can teach you a good floss dance, though. Yeah, yeah, it is. well, it does. <laughs> I mean, they can dance. I mean, but, uh, I mean, I, and, you know, there's some of that that they need to. It, it's a social thing. I mean, they can talk to their friends and all that, and, uh, and that's that's good, but it's just get locked up there all day just doing that. Yeah. Do you think, I mean... Maybe people not come to see you as much if they get out and and, and use their big, their <laughs> idleness to do something else. Yeah, you know, yeah. this is one thing that I want to. It's popped in my head from earlier. Now I want to ask you again: Is <clears throat> I constantly have this thought. Well, obviously I watch um, uh, Narcos yeah. on Netflix, and that's you know drama type stuff. But living close to the border and then in the middle of kind of like the gangs like the Zetas and all that that are down there um, and first hand experience of seeing things in the news and there is what if these people I watch this show and I think these people are going to be successful at something they're smart mm -hmm. like they're not dummies no, no. they make things happen yeah. like you know so if they apply that energy towards anything else they would be just as successful not not the money wise. Yeah, monetary. Not money monetary, <laughs> but I don't think they're doing it for money. Yeah. I think they're doing it for power. Yeah, that's probably thought too. And they would they would be just as successful in any sort of industry that they went in. They just happen to go this route. Yeah. And yeah. I'm constantly confused as to why. Like, why do you wanna put is it the thrill that you're you could get assassinated? Well, I mean I think it's like said love is power prestige. Not knowing any other life. Yeah. You grew up with good kids, but they, uh. I mean, we had gang issues. <laughs> Brothers, <laughs> Latin Kings. You know? I haven't heard that in so yeah, long. Yeah, you know, that or Sreños or whatever. And, and so, you know, and that's. I don't know how much power and prestige we're here, but I can see like some of the drug cartels and stuff. I mean, I 
know, sometimes you probably just don't have a chance, a choice about getting involved, forced into it or whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it's just come from situation in a very poor family and, uh, you know, you're going to get caught or you're going to get killed, but I mean, nobody thinks. Well, there's that. And then there's also another question I have, and this is my ADD brain. Uh-huh. Now, can't kick it in totally, Craig. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm so sorry, but, um, I actually had this conversation with somebody the other day. We were, like, I guess it's called gentrifying the, the area where, you know, you take a bad area and you start to, like, put nicer homes and clean it up and and you push the the lower, I don't know if it's lower income or the, the riffraff that are really caused menaces out of that area. I was wondering where they go. Like, where do they go and what do they do? And what, like, Because it just seems like some areas just keep getting better and better and it, you don't ever see the bad. So I, I just wonder where, where those people end up. Well, I mean, I don't know how much how that really works. I mean, as to, to be honest, West Side Brian. Um, have all the conversation, <laughs> side building nice houses, people live in those. But, I, I mean, to be honest, I don't really know the answer to that. I mean, I guess you kind of weird right yeah, just, like what happens if nobody lives in those houses do they just become run down again over time yeah I'd say yeah probably um, crap houses or something where people run drugs out of them and you know they might not even be anybody that owns or rents them and they just they're running stuff out of them you know selling stuff out of them so I don't know I, I don't know what the, the I mean I think look you're gonna have I mean that's harsh but in a capitalist society, you're going to have certain levels of wealth. I mean, you're going to have people that are the bottom part of it, and you have people at the top part of it, and that's the way it works. Um, hope that the people at the bottom can work their way up. And so, I mean, you're going to always have, you know, the poor part of town, the rich part of town. And all. That's hard, hard one to change because yeah. we're always – it's a good thought to not have any poor people around. Yeah, yeah absolutely. But, but you're going to. Yeah, I mean, that's just, you know, there's some by choice, some by, you know, social aspect of it, uh, which is that. But there's, you know, there's, I'm true believer. Out there for people even at the very bottom, you know. I mean, are you going to become a multimillionaire tomorrow? No. But, you know, you can go in the military, work your way through, pay for college, so forth, and, and build yourself up. Um, but... I couldn't sit here and, and blame anybody. I think that there's some issues. With Again, I mean, it's some no. about some about what you were talking about though kind of ties into. I think if some of those people had any sort of relation to, when I say the outdoors, I mean like yeah. you know you work with if you go work with cattle. And they wait as much as you are not moving that thing. If if it if it doesn't want to move, I okay. hate to tell you, but you you don't get to just push it. No, you no. know. Um, and it's like that mother nature that when I just talked about this in one of my 
individual ones. It was kind of a crazy episode because I was just drinking coffee early in the morning with my thoughts. But, <laughs> you know, you're so insignificant when it comes to nature yeah. like as a human. Really, we like we think we're these big, mighty, powerful things. And then yeah. that humbleization of, You build this, cow. and then all of a sudden God's... Which, yeah, uh, yeah. Right, is this? Show, let me show you what I can do with that. Let me show you how much you really mean. I'm going to walk right through you, and like you yeah. can't do anything about it. So, I mean, so, some of those situations of understanding that would probably help with people's appreciation of of um, everything, and then work hard. Yeah. You know, to try to get themselves, I guess, at least give themselves the best. You know, yeah. and I think I mean, you know, you get a lot of people that just work ethic and been talk to them. I mean, they've been in a welfare state kind of thing, and, and that's sad, too. I mean, because they have a lot of ambition that, you know, if they ever have a father figure or something like that, that they might be able to roll around. But, again, I, you know, I, 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 I can talk about that all day, but <laughs> I, I haven't ever been there, so I, I Yeah. But, um, you know, it, it's it's something that definitely a problem. I mean, it's, it's a problem we're going to have to deal with and just nope. deal with the best we can. I guess you've never been there, but you're way closer than me into seeing. Yeah. I mean, I've been on mission trips down deep down into Mexico, seeing a different kind of poverty, yeah. hung out with them, stayed with them, you know, weeks yeah. at a time. But you get to see a whole other level on a daily basis, you know, or yearly basis at least. You know, you get to see a lot of different things of, of like, through their eyes of their situation and and it, so you can have a little bit more of an empathetic viewpoint towards you know in a different come at it from a different angle yeah i mean i, I know and i think it's but until you to go through what they've gone through it, it's it's very then again i love the story yeah i love the story of somebody who's you know run through you yeah. and then they they get a chance because of you yeah. and then they end up becoming that millionaire yeah. they work their they they become determined not to be back in that position yeah, i mean i think that once you you know a lot of them it, it, it's just it, once you instill in them that you know that i come from does not dictate what i've become Mom and dad were this way, or I never knew my dad. But poor, that does not mean I have to. I can build that person up that they look, you know, you can achieve whatever. Charge off your back. You need to do these things right and change these, you know. Got this path you're walking and went right when you should have went left and and, and now we just got to double back and go left and and get you on the right track and then they do and they find out hey look you know this is I can do this do you ever notice people like do they ever contact you again and be like hey man I've turned my life completely around oh, and this is where I'm at like look how successful I am do you see them ever yeah, I mean it, it'll be like I'm just walking back from the courthouse and the office downtown Bryant I just walk to the courthouse walking back and, and, and this notice this pickup and I was, I was walking down the sidewalk and the pickup seemed to be kind of trucking along beside me and, and it was kind of like the person was like looking to see you know who it was or whatever and, and finally I walk across the street and the pickup pulls up in front of me in the parking space and I'm like oh shit and uh, 
the guy gets out and it's a black gentleman and he's in his graves. Remember me? And I said, oh man, I, I'll be honest, I don't. And he told me his name and then I said, oh yeah, oh yeah, hey, what's up? And he said, man, seven years ago, you helped me. And you helped me be a better person and got me out of something that I shouldn't have been in. And, and I mean, you know, he's like, look, here's where I'm at now. I'm, I'm, I said, you live in town? He said, no, I'm actually, I live in Dallas. Um, Got a great job. I'm back here actually visiting. We got a smaller company here, you know. And and I'm like, well, that's great. And he's like, man, you know, it's just I just I had to stop and I thought that was you. I was so I'm tell you that. And I was like, well, thanks for doing it, man. <laughs> I mean, it made my day. I mean, because you don't hear that all the time. And and it's like I said, we're all human. We just you know, need a little help sometimes. And if people would take the time to help them, maybe they'd another success story. Well, it's this is a an hour and eleven oh, minutes, man. Yeah. It's been a fun. I could talk to you forever. Yeah. It's been one of my favorite favorite episodes, man. Oh, I appreciate it. I it's, mean, it, it's a talking time, but uh, you know, life is life, and and take what it can. I mean, I've done some things wrong, been bad places. Luckily, I've. Been through a bad divorce, uh, you know. Been through. Luckily, I found Nicole. Who's <laughs> literally, I mean, I probably would have drifted off a bad place. But um, that's 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 pretty crazy, man. That's pretty crazy. Like I, hearing you talk about this this whole story, and then hearing you say that, yeah. kind of makes me wonder, like, what what was it that pulled you out of that bad place? Oh, it's just, I mean... How did you meet Nicole? Oh, actually, I, you know, I was going through the board. She was... My office was right next to the Saw Hotel. She was actually bartending at the Saw. I didn't know. She just, you know, doing that, she was trying to figure out what Um, met her through that, and... That's awesome. Um... And it's, you know, it's, like I said, it's just if um bad decision and if you don't have people there to help you. And, and I just hope I can always be there to help whoever. And that's it. Well. I appreciate you taking the time to talk. Oh, to absolutely, man. I mean, it's kind of proof that you have, like, everybody's got an option and a doorway to go through. It's just, do you take that door or not? Because people don't see that. Some people think that they don't have an option. Like, the, uh, oh, there's no, woe is me, there's no out. But, man, there's always an out. There's always a Craig there somewhere. <laughs> well, that's the deal. I mean, I hope everybody else be that way. It's just, instead of just saying, well, that person's this, that person's that, then got to help that person. Talk to them. Maybe all they want to do is just have somebody to talk to for a minute. <laughs> if you talk to them, then that might change your life. You know, you never know. Putting people down. and real world we live in now. Just be more human. There we go. We're ending it on that for sure. All right, right, thanks, Craig. You bet.